even if you don't know what you want to do, like I never fully knew what I wanted to do and what area of the business I wanted to get into. I just took as many opportunities as I could and, you know, tried to gain as much experience as possible. During the height of the season, when you're working all those hours and you're like, you know, why am I putting myself through this? Then you remember like, oh yeah, like it's because this job is amazing. This industry is amazing. It's what I've always wanted to do. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com. Brian Clapp. The most fascinating interviews we have on the Work in Sports podcast aren't just reserved for the bigwigs, the CEOs, the marketers, sales directors, scouts, agents, coaches. The most interesting and most relevant are often those who are young into their career and just getting going. The feedback I get from a lot of you is the executives give you something to dream about and a blueprint to follow and work toward. But the younger staffers we interview help you with the right now. That makes a lot of sense. We're approaching 500 episodes of this show, and my goal since day one has been to provide actionable advice, something you can work with, a direction, a process for all of you. Now, on Wednesdays, my job is to get that out of the interview subject, to make them give the advice. And on Mondays, I try to give you some of the actionable advice and some answer some of your fan questions. I mean, I get to have a little bit of fun too, right? In the spirit of that actionable advice, who better to tell you what it takes to get your foot in the door than someone who just did it? Who better to explore the challenges of standing out with a new employer, the benefits of working in pro sports, the game day experience for a newbie, and the breakdown in responsibilities for someone just getting started? It's not me. No offense to Scott O'Neill, former CEO of the Philadelphia 76ers, but he can't tell you what it's like to be a marketing coordinator. No offense to two-time MLB Executive of the Year Dan Duquette, but he can't help you with your interview prep for that inside sales role you've been staring at. Those were two amazing guests, but they serve different purposes. That is why we need conversations across the spectrum of perspective. And that is why I'm so excited to have on Nick Miller, Cleveland Cavaliers Marketing Operations Coordinator. Nick graduated from Ohio University just a few years ago and is already making a name for himself with the Cavs marketing team. I met him at Hashtag Sports last month, and now I had the pleasure of interviewing him for our little show. And Nick's insight comes from somebody that's been in the thrust of it very recently. So he's a lot of things that will help you in your career path. Here's Nick. Hey, Nick, what's happening? Good to see you again. You and I met, had a chance to talk, hang out a little bit during the hashtag sports conference recently. And we want to come back and bring it back to the audience. So good to see you again. How are you? Uh, doing good. Trying to stay busy in the off season, but it was really good to meet you. I uh, remember running into you in the hallway and being a fan of the podcast. Just, I was like, I need to say something to this guy. You know, I need to introduce myself. <laughs> I, th- I always say, I-, I will say, I always find it kind of funny. It's like, I've been doing this for a while, but I never really expect anybody to know who I am. So when you came up and said hi, I was like, how does he know who I am? Like, I totally forget sometimes that, yeah, my, I guess my face and voice is out there and that happens. But uh, I was really flattered. It was great to to meet and talk with you. And hearing your experience now with the Cavs, it just thought to me, like, let's get let's get him on the show. Let's talk about how this all came about. So thanks for joining me today. And um, I think you're, you're lying a little bit there. I don't think there is an off-season in sports. I think uh, <laughs> there's no games going on right now, but I'm sure you're pretty, plenty busy. So thanks for the time. Yeah, definitely. Definitely still busy, of course. There is no off-season. <laughs> there is no off-season. <laughs> okay, so I think 
personally, there are two really interesting parts to this conversation. There is your how it happened angle because you only graduated from college in 2019. You're pretty early in your career. So this whole angle of how we got to where you are right now, I think is super interesting to the audience. And then also diving into your role. What does it mean working in marketing uh, operations coordinator? What does it mean working in NBA uh, for a pro team? I think there's so many interesting ways we can take this conversation, but let's start with that first part. You graduated from Ohio University, great sports management program there. During the time there, you worked for the Browns in the equipment room, but you also did an internship in corporate partnerships. What do you remember most about this early introduction to pro sports? What do you kind of remember about that early time? Yeah, I think uh, the thing that stands out to me the most is probably uh, how much work it actually is, you know, kind of like the effort that goes into it, especially being in the equipment room. That was kind of my first jobs overall, honestly. And, um, you know, long hours, but also like the wow factor of like being around like a professional team. You know, I grew up here, so I'm a big fan of the Browns and real quick, you learn like, oh no, it's not a wow factor. You know, you got to get to work. So that first training camp, you know, where you're putting in a lot of hours and gaining a lot of experience, I would say that was probably the first thing that stood out to me. It's like, maybe not cut out for everybody, but I kind of just loved it. And I was like, you know, I'm willing to put in whatever the hours are, you know, being in the equipment room, you're first ones in the building, most likely, and probably one of the last ones to leave. So even though I enjoyed it, I knew also like this is going to be a good experience because it shows good work ethic. Yeah. Maybe not the career path you wanted to pursue, but a good thing to have on your resume and show that kind of experience. I think that is funny when you get that introduction to sports and being around these athletes that you've seen or you know, or you feel like you know. I remember one of my first days at CNN Sports Illustrated, uh, Magic Johnson came in. And then there was a day like two weeks later where uh, Joe Montana came in. And I'm like, mind blown. Like, what do I do right now? I just never expected to ever see these people. And you're like, okay, I guess I have a job to do, but it can be hard sometimes. Yeah, it's it's it was pretty crazy. I mean, at the time, uh, it was not the best season for the Browns. <laughs> but, you know, there's still those big names that you're used to watching on TV. And the the wow factor is, is definitely like, it was eye-opening at first, especially, you know, being able to work at practice and work so closely with the players and coaches being on the sideline for games, you know, that kind of stuff. It was like, wow, this is amazing. But, you know, that's only a small part of it when you look at like all the other hours you're putting in, you know, doing laundry, you know, the, on yeah. the non-glamorous stuff that, you know, comes with that job. So you also did the internship and quarter partnerships. So that's more on the business side of the operation. We talk so often about the competition level in sports. You know, it's hard to get these first jobs. It's not easy getting internships either. Um, I'm sure it helped that you had some experience with the Browns already, but what was your approach and your strategy to start to gain experience, get into corporate partnerships, learn the business side? What was kind of your overall approach and strategy to making that happen? Yeah, so I would say that my my goal, the end goal was to just try to gain as well-rounded of experience as I could. So I didn't know what I wanted to do on the business side. I just knew I wanted to gain some experience on that end. But I knew that if I were to just stay in the equipment side, then it maybe would have led, you know, only to the football operations side or just team operations side. So my strategy was just to gain as much experience as possible in all sorts of different areas, no matter what it was, honestly. Yeah. So and that and the corporate partnerships internship just kind of fell into my lap because I was already at the Browns and had those relationships. So really just developing those relationships and taking advantage of where you're at. 
Oh, so important. And, and having that, like you said, knowing somebody there, leveraging that, showing your work ethic while you were in, a, in the, as the equipment assistant. I mean, all of that really helps paint a picture of, of how you'll work in the organization. Um, it's pretty clear you like Ohio since you were born there, worked for the Browns, but then you also worked for the Guardians, then the Indians. You did an internship them with them in ballpark operations. So now you go another shift, right? You're, you've got equipment assistant, you've got uh, corporate partnerships, and now you're working in baseball doing ballpark operations. What was that focus like? How did that kind of change and how different was it compared to the NFL? It's a huge difference. Um, the most obvious one is going from 16 or so games to, you know, whatever, 82 home games or something along those lines. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot, you know, uh, a lot of games, a lot of times, you know, multiple games in a row, 10 game home stands, you know, back to back to back, whatever that is. But the main reason that that job caught my eye was because that was the same year as MLB all-star, which was being hosted in Cleveland. So, you know, my main goal was to like work that and have that under my experience, which was a lot of fun, but you know, a lot of hours. And, uh, it was, it was different because also I had never really managed anybody before. So that was kind of my first experience in like you could call it leadership. You know, I was in charge of a lot of the housekeeping team and the maintenance staff and that kind of stuff and managing those schedules is, you know, so it was definitely like weird having zero experience in some sort of leadership type role, you know, basically being in charge of like another group of people. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it, it was, it was definitely eye opening. It was new. I wasn't used to that at all, but my, uh, direct report at the time was really helpful. And, you know, he knew that, I didn't have that experience. So his main goal was kind of like to teach me and guide me along the way and, you know, give me some insight into the best way to, to manage that group, especially because, you know, there's a lot of different aspects that come into managing that those type of jobs, you know, union and that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. it was a big, a big change. Honestly, I would say that it was, it's definitely the most different. If you look at like all the stuff that I've done in my career so far, it's definitely the most different, um, it gave me a lot of good experience, though. I, I think you said something so important in there. The first time I started to manage, I had massive imposter syndrome problems where I yeah. thought, like, why would anybody listen to me? Like, what makes me special? Why would they? Why should I be telling people what to do? And it was like this internal conflict, too. Um, being an intern with the team and having to lead, too, I mean, that's got to be extremely daunting. And I think it's one of those hard things that we have to be transparent about that almost everybody deals with. I'm telling you, everybody I've talked to up and down the dial deals with that feeling of like that imposter syndrome that like, am I really somebody that should be holding this much importance at this moment? It's, it can be scary. I mean, I still feel that on a day to day basis, if I'm being honest, so you know I. I mean? like it's <laughs> even just before this podcast, if I'm being honest, I'm like, wow, you know, like, <laughs> going to be on a podcast, you know, it, it, it always sets in, especially like being in this industry that I feel like so many people are, is sought after, you know, and a lot of people would kill to be doing the stuff that we're doing, you know, so it, it can weigh on you sometimes, it, especially, yeah, like you said, in that case, when I was an intern, you know, trying to give orders, yeah. I guess, in a way, uh, you know, manage people, you know, tell, try to lead them into, you know, doing what is needed and that kind of thing. I think it's so important to be transparent about this stuff because I'll be honest and say it too. Five minutes before every interview, and I've done 480 episodes now, five minutes before every episode, I have freak out moments. It doesn't matter <laughs> who I am interviewing 
it, do, it doesn't matter. I have freak out moments where I'm like, I'm going to ask dumb questions. They're going to not respond well. They're going to look at me like I'm an idiot. Like I do it still. And I've been in this industry for 25 years. It's like, it's just unavoidable. We all have those kind of internal doubts. And I know we're going down a completely weird road right now, but I don't know. I think these are important things to talk about because it ties into the whole mental health conversation, the whole burnout conversation, the whole like just not feeling like you're matching up conversation. We all put too much pressure on ourselves. It's just a fact. Yeah, big time. And I mean, you know, we just recently had a new application go out for a coordinator position that we're looking to hire. And you know, it gets like 500 applicants and you're like, oh my God. Yeah. Like kind of puts in perspective to you. Like a lot of people want to be in this industry and a lot of people want to have, you know, these positions that we have. So in those moments where, you know, you're getting, uh Oh, (laughs) (laughs) your lights just run out. That's great. (laughs) Oh No, (laughs) No, keep going. Keep going. That was funny. We're going to leave that in by the way. Everybody Nick's lights just went out as he was in the conference room with the calves. He had to do the motion yes. sensor thing. I love that. Motion sensor. Yeah, my hands <laughs> that was a great uh-oh. <laughs> no, but keep going. I think you're making a great point. Like 500 people apply. It puts, it puts extra pressure on you. You're like, man, I got to deliver every day. Yeah, right. And it's, you know, it's, that's what makes it so competitive. And, you know, you get, you talk about burnout and you, during the height of the season, when you're working all those hours and you're like, you know, why am I putting myself through this? Like you, then you remember like, oh yeah, like it's because this job is amazing. This industry is amazing. You know, it's, it's what I've always wanted to do type of thing. So it's, it, it's all worth it in the end, but it's, it definitely would sneak up on you. Like, Oh, do you know, am I the best candidate for this position yeah. or am I the best, you know, the best person for this job that I'm in type of thing? You know, what if I mess up, what have you, you know, it's like all that kind of stuff. Yep. Always going yep. through you your get mind. that internal monologue going, you start yep. telling yourself, doubts. Uh, and it's like, you, it's this yin and yang of like, I want to appreciate the fact that I'm here. I'm, I'm in it, right? I got it. I did the thing that got me here. I earned it. But at the same point that looking over your shoulder of like, I know there's 800 people waiting to take my job, you know, like that's not easy. Yeah. I felt is. that pressure so much early in my career. I mean, even later in my career, all the time you feel that pressure. It's hard. It's one thing when you're not, when you're trying to break into the industry, but I've noticed that I almost feel it more now being in the industry. Um, just because of it's one thing to try to get in. Obviously, it's hard to get in. It's very competitive. But even once you're in, it's just as competitive yeah. because everyone's trying to climb climb the ladder, you know. And you know, if there's a new position open, everyone wants that. It's you know, it's it's so it's just as competitive in as it is out. That I, that's what I've learned. I think that's a really good perspective. Okay, so when I hire, when I hire staff members. I've always been a hound for having those like big names on a resume. It's just the way I look at things. If I see somebody's resume and it says, oh, they've worked at the Browns, they've worked at the Guardians, I'm like, all right, they've worked in some really high pressure environments. They've had to, they've been challenged. They know how it, a big organization operates. These are impressive things. Did you know once you started to get out into the workforce that this this was really helpful on your resume and would help you stand out and kind of pop out there in the marketplace? Did that give you a little bit of confidence breaking in? I would say it's an advantage and a disadvantage personally is what I've discovered through like, you know, self-reflection and that yeah, type of thing. I like, love that. It's an advantage because, you know, you have that big league experience and it's obviously high pressure. There's no, there's no messing up, you know, it's, but also working for a pro team, typically because the staffs are bigger, you're kind of centralized or maybe more focused on a specific thing mm-hmm. that I would say I was lacking the more overall experience that maybe like a minor league, you know, type of thing would give you. Cause when you're in minor leagues, you're doing everything. Yeah. That's why I personally, like with the experience that I have, like I was trying to do as much as I could mm-hmm. and diversify it because 
I hear about my friends who work in minor leagues and they're like, yeah, I'm doing everything from selling tickets to doing the marketing campaigns to getting corporate partners. Whereas like, I don't know too much about how to, you know, maybe sell tickets or, you know, whatever it be, you know, sell tickets or sell sponsorships type Mm -hmm. of thing. So I would say that it's good for the experience of the high stress environment and the uh, expectations that come with the pro sports team. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it's definitely more uh, narrow and focused than the minor leagues. I think that's a great, great, great piece of advice. And I hope everybody's really absorbing that because that balance of both, right? Having something mm-hmm. that really jumps out on your resume, like the Browns, like the Guardians, like those kind of experiences are so important to jump out. But that minor league experience, like you get to do so much and it really can build both sides of you and, and really propel you out there. But good news, Cavs hired you. Um, as we were saying, <laughs> 500 people or more apply for a lot of these jobs. Take us through that process. What was it like from start to finish? How did you get to this spot where you became the one? And seriously, you should be patting yourself on the back and you should feel like you earned it because you went from 500 applicants and they had to make a choice and it was you. So let that build some confidence inside of you. What was that process like? Yeah, I would say that my process was definitely not the traditional way. Like, you know, I hear about people who apply to like 100 different things and you know they only hear back one reply whereas for me what happened was i have been volunteering uh at the arena for events like arena events and concerts and stuff like that as like a runner um i had worked the ncaa wrestling tournament i kind of like volunteered for that working the mac tournament because we have the mac basketball tournament here in cleveland at the arena so when I was doing that, you know, I just working there, developed some relationships and, you know, and had already known some people. So by the time came for my position to open up, basically uh, someone reached out to me and was like, Hey, like you had talked about wanting to get in the marketing world. We have this marketing coordinator position open. You should apply. And I was like, okay, yeah. So I applied and in the interview, I already knew somebody that I was interviewing with. I had met with them before, uh, just working events and concerts at the arena. So that was like a, a solid, you know, it was kind of like, a, oh, like, good to see you again. Yeah. Like, how have you been? Instead of like being nervous and not knowing anybody. And yeah. so then, the, you know, I met with her who I now report to. So it worked out very well. <laughs> yeah, <I did>. um, <laughs> yeah. And then met with our now current CMO and uh, a lot of other people that I would be working closely with that maybe, you know, I wouldn't be reporting to directly, but uh, would be working a lot closer with and seeing, making sure that I would gel with them and be a good fit. And I mean, it was like a full day of just meeting a lot of different people and interviewing with a lot of people, sometimes just one-on-one, sometimes, you know, five people at one time, you know, like Mm -hmm. firing questions at me back to back. So it was kind of like intimidating not going to lie. Um, it all happened in one day. Like you had multiple back to back. kind. Oh, wow. Uh, that's intense. Yeah. So like kind of throwing all over the place. So it was, uh, but it all in all, it was only one day. So I feel wow. like that's also not normal. They kind of, I hear stories about where they bring you back Oh yeah. for multiple different interviews. But for me, it was all one day, uh, just multiple different interviews. So marketing and being a marketing coordinator and being a marketing operations coordinator can mean a lot of different things. I literally looked at 10 different job descriptions before we got started because I was just curious to see how that would break down in roles and responsibilities. And I saw 10 completely different things. Um, 
break it down for us. What does it mean for you when you came in? What were the main responsibilities of being a marketing operations coordinator? And then going deeper, how has it kind of changed and matured in your focus and your in your projects, all those kind of things? Yeah. So when I first came in, um, my main focus, and which still is kind of my main focus, is managing all of our marketing assets that have to do with in arena signage and TV broadcast and radio broadcast. So essentially broadcast assets. So I first start out essentially scheduling a lot of our in arena signage, um, whatever we're looking to promote those games, like every single game, scheduling that out, making a script for it. Same with the television broadcast. So on TV and radio, uh, I'm having all of our TV spots in read in game reads that our broadcasters are reading off, you know, anything that's Cavs marketing specific. I'll be having that stuff put together and scheduled and really just organizing it and trafficking it. So that's like the main core of like what I'm, what my job was when I first started, that was like, you know, a big adjustment. I had never done anything like that. So having to write radio spots and uh, scripts essentially, and same with, you know, having a, a, a TV spot made, a commercial made, you know, where I had to work with the video team on, what I wanted and, you know, the message I want across and there's that leadership again, right? Yeah. Right. So, yeah. And and then the in arena signage, I mean, there's, I couldn't even tell you how many led boards and stuff like that. And it's not just in inside the arena, you know, on the jumbotron, it's everything from the concourse. We have tons of TVs all over the concourse and just throughout the arena in the suites and that kind of stuff. So getting an understanding of like where certain stuff should be depending on, you know, the demographic of fan and where they're at, like, it was a it was a lot to learn. So I would say like the the first year of my career was probably like a blur just because I was yeah. like on the run just trying to learn everything as fast as possible, but now I feel more comfortable in it and that's kind of like still what I do on a day-to-day basis, but it's almost like a muscle memory at this point. Mm-hmm. And have things changed where you have new things you're taking on, new projects too in addition to that the main thrust of your role? Yeah, so more recently I've uh, kind of dove into our influencer marketing side of things on through social media and stuff like that. And that kind of happened organically. Basically uh, we had our city edition Jersey launched last year and we wanted to have an influencer campaign for it because we've never really done anything like that. And so I kind of, you know, that was something of interest to me and I kind of was like, Oh, I want to be involved in that. You know, that's something that interests me, especially like the digital side and uh, the social media side. So I kind of ran the campaign and we sent out these um, like a seating kit with a custom Jersey for each influencer and a lot of swag. And I want to um, be an influencer. That sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, it, was pretty, it was a big hit. It got a lot of uh, traction on, on, on social media. Um, a lot of local Cleveland influencers and even some more nationally known, yeah. but um, that happened. And then it kind of became this thing where we should make this a main part of our overall marketing strategy, you know, not just like a one-off campaign. We should be doing this all the time, you know, kind of like no different than we're doing paid social. So that's kind of where I've dove into more recently. Um, Gosh, that sounds exciting. Along with, yeah, along with uh, a lot of our retail collaborations, you know, our goal is to kind of branch out and expand our retail outside of just the the normal Nike gear, which is, you know, we're always going to have that, but trying to bring in these brands that can, you know, get our brand out there and collaborate with these other artists and bigger brands that you wouldn't think would be involved in basketball. Um, that's like kind of our new goal and 
a new area that I'm kind of stepping into as well. That's awesome. So it's a really exciting world, I think, in marketing right now. There's a, I, I feel like there's so many new developments that are happening. Matter of fact, when we were at Hashtag Sports, I, I hosted a panel that was on NFTs and Web3. And we're talking blockchain and how it all relates to sports. And we're talking about you know influencer marketing campaigns. And we're talking about AI. And we're talking about a lot of different options out there. Other than the things that you're getting into now with influencer marketing and some of the other partnership deals you were talking about, what excites you? What do you see like as something that could really be a part of a NBA team's marketing focus in the future and that could be really exciting and have big upside? I would definitely say that the NFT side is definitely like an exciting kind of like untapped market that is unnerving just because it's so new and it's, you know, we just started to kind of like dip our toe into it a little bit this season with some NFT promotions and so, you know, and we're using this company suite that we work with. So that's kind of something that's always interests me. And like, even to this day, like I still like, I understand it, but I, you know, kind of don't because (laughs) I don't have like, yeah, I don't have that huge tech background. I probably know more than the average, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's definitely like something that interests me. That's the kind of stuff that gets me going like, Oh, what's this market that is completely new that a lot of other sports teams and leagues haven't really tapped into yet that we can maybe get to first or if not first, you know, do it better than whoever did it first by, you know, after seeing what they did type of thing. Yeah, for sure. So the Cavs are on the upswing and it's a young team. It's an exciting team. And I know in our world, you know, when I was working in the Seattle market, we'd always talk about how you can't bank on the team winning. You know, you you can't ride that wave. You have to be able to make it entertaining. You have to be able to make it exciting, whether their team is winning or not. But that said, when a team's on the upswing, young talent, all this upside, how does that affect the feeling in the in the building? Like, do you guys feel that on a day to day, knowing like there's just energy around the team success? Do you feel that, or is it just like business as usual? You definitely feel it. Like it becomes it, that's where you start to feel kind of like, oh, what we're doing is working because not only is the team doing better, but you know, obviously everything comes along with that. So all this work that we were putting in maybe before when we were trying to sell tickets, you know, we were trying to, um, you know, push, push the team when they weren't necessarily the most successful. Now all that work, that ground layer that we put in, you know, is already there and we don't have, and we can just expand from that. You know, our strategy has completely changed from, you know, just trying to get people in the building when the team might've been struggling a little bit. Now, you know, we really want to focus on marketing our players more. Whereas before, you know, we didn't have as many, uh, we didn't have any all-stars on the team, you know, now we have two all-stars and a young rookie, Evan Mobley, that, you know, has a lot of potential in this kind of stuff. And this whole team has potential. So kind of like being on the up is, is it is like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Yeah. And exciting. And it gives you that extra drive to like hit that next level of like, okay, now that we've got a little success around the team now, how can we push, you know, what we've been doing to the next level like they are. Yeah. All right. We'll finish up with this. I know you got to get back to work and I really appreciate the time you're giving me. So you graduated in 2019, so you're very you're very close to a lot of the people in our audience who may be trying to break in. As you kind of look back and reflect on that time and the decisions you made and the choices you made on that path to get you where you are now, what do you look back at and say, these were some of my instrumental choices that led to me getting this opportunity and really being able to stand out? Because that's what everybody in our audience is looking for. How do I stand out from that pack? How do I become that one of 500? When you look back and you self-reflect, what do you think those key moments were for you? I would definitely say, you know, not saying no to any opportunity, you know, any possible experience that you can get is going to, you know, translate to whatever you're trying to do in the future. 
even if you don't know what you want to do, like I never fully knew what I wanted to do and what area of the business I wanted to get into. I just took as many opportunities as I could and, you know, tried to gain as much experience as possible. And then not only that, while you're there, like really soak in what you're doing and try to learn from the people that you're learning from and working for and working around. Cause no matter what, like, you know, you can take what you learned in a completely different area, like, you know, football operations, something there can translate to marketing. You know what I mean? Like everything, you know, everything correlates in a way. So I would definitely say like, if you don't know what you want to do, diversifying your experience and trying to do as much as you can in different areas. So that way you have a full understanding of the business as much as, you know, as much as you can and developing those relationships and networking. Cause that's such a huge, huge thing in our industry. You know, it's, a, it's, it always surprises me how small, like small the sporting world. industry is, yeah. but it's very small world. And uh, you know, you never know who you'll run into or you'll meet or you'll work with that, you know, might come around later and it could turn into an opportunity for you. So the networking is a big, is a big thing to getting in the door. Nick, this is amazing. Thank you so much for jumping on, sharing so much of this insight of your early career and really kicking things off. Uh, congrats with all the success and thanks for coming on and chatting with us. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you to Nick for coming on the show. I think one of my favorite parts of that conversation was about the mental health and imposter syndrome side. I do think that's something a lot of us struggle with. And I say us because I involve myself in that as well. We just had a recent conversation about that very thing on, on the podcast on our Monday episode. And 80% of people struggle with imposter syndrome at some point where you think that you're a fraud, you think that you're not worthy, you think you shouldn't be in that role, you doubt yourself, you question your abilities. And to just be honest and transparent and have those conversations, I think is really important on this platform. For guys like Nick and myself to be able to say, yeah, I'm working it, I'm in the business, I'm successful, things are going well, but I still feel this negativity sometimes inside myself. I hope that makes all of you out there that may be feeling that feel like, okay, I'm not alone in this. I'm not the only one that struggles sometimes with feeling like I'm worthy of my position or of my standing or as my manager or whatever it is that you're taking on. And I think sometimes that can help you get through these tough times. A lot of great information in there from Nick. Thank you to him for coming on. Thank you to you for listening. Please continue to rate, review, and subscribe. That's how we grow. That's how we stay in the top of the search results for podcasts. And that's how we continue to get great guests. Because when I go out into the marketplace and say, hey, do you want to be a guest on the show? Most people are like, oh, I love your show. That's, I'd love to be on it. And it's because all of you help us stay relevant. So please rate, review, and subscribe. It means the world to us. And I'll see you on Monday. 